Karen Ruff, and this is Conversational Commerce, the podcast where we break down the biggest industry news and trends by talking shop with the retail dive team, thought leaders, and executives. Here's a quick word from our sponsor. If you truly want to grow your e-commerce business, it will only happen in one way, by building real, quality customer relationships. Most marketing software promises this, but never really delivers. Clavio, on the other hand, is different. Clavio helps you build meaningful customer relationships by listening to and understanding cues from your customers, allowing you to turn that information into valuable marketing messages. That's why 11,000 plus innovative brands have switched to Clavio, automating up to 50% of their sales as a result. All right, let's dive in. Today on the show, we're talking about stores. That's why this story starts at a mall. The Aventura Mall in Miami is a pretty typical mall. The smell of Auntie Anne's pretzels hangs in the air between the JCPenney, Macy's, and Nordstrom department store anchors. And in between is a store mix that ranges pretty widely, from luxury shops like Prada and Fendi to fast fashion mall mainstays like Zara and Forever 21. There's also a growing number of showrooms from digitally native brands like Casper and Indochino. Over the next five years, industry experts expect these direct-to-consumer brands to build out more than 850 concepts like this, meaning stores that hold little inventory, and instead ship purchased items directly to a shopper's home. It's a model that Indochino has polished over the last decade. By the end of the year, the made-to-measure men's suit brand will have almost 50 showrooms in the United States and its home country, Canada. Experiential retail and exemplary customer service are two key things these kinds of brands tout about their physical experiences. But what I really wanted to know is what makes them so different from traditional retail. So I went to a showroom that Indochino rolled out last year. Uh, So I'm Nelson Toole, I'm the showroom manager here at Indochino Miami. Nelson gave me a tour of the just over 2,000 square foot space and explained the basic process for what happens when a customer walks in. They come in and they will think about all the different ways they can customize their suit. So we first look at fabrics, colors, textures, weights. Uh, We always recommend people touching those fabrics and really getting a feel for, is this something that I want on my body? Uh, Once they have a good idea of what they want the suit to look like, they can choose lapels and pockets and linings and monograms, uh, really kind of make that suit their own. And then once we have that general design laid out, we'll actually start the fitting process. So it's a four-step process where we will measure them for shirts and all three pieces for a suit. So they'll try on different jackets, pants, and vests. And while they're wearing um, that starting point, they'll give us feedback. So while they're wearing a jacket, they can say, you know, I wish this was a little bit tighter or looser or longer or shorter. Uh, And that's where we'll really start to see that process uh, evolve depending on client taste. One of the biggest differences from other retail experiences is the blending of online and offline retail. From the minute you walk into a showroom, technology is being used to store everything about what a shopper likes and doesn't like. That's in part to make it easier to reorder items, but it's also a way to show off inventory that's not actually held in the store. So the technology is always kind of a part of what we do. Um, Once we get our clients kind of checked in, 
we'll check them in on our iMacs and we'll immediately grab an iPad and start to build that profile that's all tied to an email address. So there's not a single step that really doesn't involve uh, that piece of technology. And we frequently go online to show them what the suits actually look like because looking at the fabric can be really helpful and touching and feeling it, but maybe you want to see it in a full suit that we don't have on display right now. And so we'll pull up the website and show them what it looks like on the model. And it's kind of this constant experience of, of using technology and jumping back and forth, but it really depends on what the client's looking for. And it's great that we kind of have that freedom. Nelson told me he's worked for a lot of other retailers, but what's different about working at a digitally native brand is that he's not folding shirts all day, for example. He's spending a lot more time talking to people. What do you wish retail executives broadly, more broadly beyond Indochino mm -hmm. would understand about being at the store level? I'm a big proponent of being as hands-on as possible, um, sometimes to a fault, and I understand that, you know, the the further along in your career, the less really just fundamentally able you are to spend time uh, at that lowest level doing the interactions. Having a good understanding of what goes on is, is really important. Actually getting into the showrooms, it's really helpful that Indochino has a showroom a couple blocks away from our home office, so a lot of our leadership team can actually go and see what it looks like on the ground floor. Um, that's really important for me. I've had other companies where you'll have visits from executives and the experience is transformed uh, and it's not always as accurate as possible because all of a sudden your staff triples and everything is much neater than maybe it would be on a standard day and there's a lot of song and dance uh, and I don't think Inochino uh, it has that same experience at all. It's very real what we try to show uh, our leadership and we're all honest with each other. Um, so I think that's something that a lot of retailers could learn from. Um, there's no sense in sweeping things under the rug or hiding it from the people who have the power to to kind of change that experience. The week I spoke with Nelson, an executive did actually come into town to see the showroom, head of design, Dean Hansbiker. So I sat down with him too to get a clearer understanding of the bigger picture when it comes to the physical strategy at Indochino. This interview was recorded at the Future Stores conference in February, so things might have changed by the time you're listening to this. I'm broadcasting today from Future Stores in Miami, and I'm very pleased to be sitting here today with Dean Hansbiker, who is the VP of Design at Indochino. Hey, Dean. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, glad to have you on. It's exciting to be here where at this conference everyone is talking all about design. It's a kind of an interesting look into the world that I imagine you live in every day and all of these conversations that you're having all the time. So I want to talk about Indochino because it's such an interesting digitally native brand that's expanding now and it's, it's vast retail footprint. I think you've got about 38 showrooms now. Tell us a little bit about the brand and when you started thinking about brick and mortar. Absolutely. Uh, so Indochino is a made-to-measure men's clothing brand. So we, of course, sell suits and shirts, but we've expanded into casual wear as well. We're working on a casual shirt now. We've introduced chinos and outerwear. So we, we see the future as a, a much broader assortment of menswear overall that's customizable, that's perfect fit. Uh, the brand is some 10 years old now. Yeah. So our, our journey into bricks and mortar is kind of a, a fun one in that they, the company before me, were something of an originator in the field. 
Uh, right, one of those first digitally native brands. Indeed. Well, first native, digitally native, but also the first to experiment. So, yeah. you know, before pop-ups took over Soho, uh, the last few years, they were doing it as much as seven, as many as seven years ago. They started with something called Traveling Tailor, and not dissimilar from the category where tailors would visit a city, set up shop for a few weeks, take measurements of their clients locally. But they brought it to the next level. They did installations in Grand Central Terminal on the main concourse. They took prime real estate space in San Francisco and LA and Toronto and Vancouver and set up for as much as a month at a time. So they were a little bit of a pioneer in the whole pop-up experience. The realization, though, was that if they stayed an extra month, sales increased in the second month and third month with word of mouth. So a couple of those pop-ups overstayed their their original short-term, four-week stay. And... uh, evolved into two, six, eight-month leases here and there. Nearly four years ago, when I joined the company, they had decided to to experiment with a longer-term leases. So they had five at the time that were operating on short-term in a few spaces that needed to be upgraded and a few spaces that needed to be relocated. Toronto and Vancouver, New York, San Francisco primarily. Uh, One space in LA that they were looking at, so that joining with the company turned into creating a whole new concept for them. They had a very short timeline though. We at the time had signed a lease for an opening some eight weeks out from my start date, so we had to come up with a concept. And they really uh, just threw you in your first eight weeks. Into the deep end. And you know thankfully, you know, I've been using menswear inspired blues and grays in my homes for years, so it wasn't a a big leap, it wasn't a new category to explore, but the journey, the journey of the client was something that I had to learn very quickly. And thankfully they had a a great store manager in the Toronto market that was able to walk me through what was working with his existing space, what wasn't, stopped and watched the customers go through the flow from customizations to fit the wholesale process and see where it could be improved upon. And eight weeks later, we did it. We opened that store. Uh, some six more followed that same year, and then we sat back to see what we could learn from those stores, what was working and what wasn't. Showrooms, I should say. We don't have stores, but showrooms. And uh, it wasn't until year two that we started to experiment with shopping centers and on and on. And, and actually, it's number 39 was open last week in okay. Portland, Oregon. So we'll uh, continue on to, to open number 40 uh, two weeks from now, and number 41 and three weeks Yeah, I mean, I know the company has some pretty big plans this year to expand, both on the East Coast and on the West Coast. Um, and I imagine that, you know, it's kind of building up from a couple of years of experimenting, starting with those pop-ups, taking the learnings there, building the first couple of uh, showrooms, and now um, the, the pace is picking up a little bit more. Absolutely. You know, it took us some time to get our footing. How many how many showrooms could we place in a single market? So with opening a second and third in Toronto, was there going to be a a cannibalization effect? Was our main showroom downtown going to suffer because more of our clients then transferred to the shopping centers in suburbia? Uh, No, in fact, we attracted a new clientele in those centers and saw little to no impact at all in our downtown. Uh, Of course, we're also in that same market growing our online consumer as they repeat online. Uh, we're seeing an increase in sales overall. The the showrooms really do lift the boat. Yeah, I, I definitely want to talk about the connection between the store and online a little bit later. But first, I want to talk just a little bit about your own background. Right. You said you joined the company about four years ago. Um, you know, how did you get to Indochina? What sure. what became interesting to you about this company? Right. Well, I, I've been doing this for quite some time. I started in visual merchandising and. Uh, 
back in the day, you know, following the direction, then adapting the direction for the local market working in Canada, and then eventually creating the direction. And I work with brands like Gap and Club Monaco and Esprit in Europe, um, brands that at those that particular time in their journeys were were best known for you know, quality and fashion and strong presentation. So really that's been a cornerstone of what I've tried to bring to all of the brands that I've worked for and trying to add value to the presentation, trying to, to create a strong presentation that elevates the product, um, makes it look that much better than what its price point might suggest. And, and thankfully, Indochino does offer an amazing quality at a, a super low price, so it, it is super important that we support that in presentation and, and make sure that customers can see that it's a half canvas, that it's got the functioning buttons, the pick stitching, et cetera, the details that are usually a mark of a, of a much higher priced suit. So tell me a little bit about how you think about the design of an Indochino showroom. So it, it seems like a constant thought right now. We're just, we have 17 projects in various stages from, from concept through construction. And uh, we, we approach all of our showrooms with the same uh, direction for zoning and, and lounges and fitting space. Of course, adapting to the, the special spatial constraints of each. So I have, we have showrooms that are as great as 4,000 square feet and as small as 1,300 we're working on today. And essentially, all of the components need to fit into either size, all of the sizes. The, the approach is one of, of setting out our, our zones and adapting for space. Uh, it's pretty simple in our approach because we don't have the inventory to squeeze in. You know, we're displaying panels of fabrics and shirting samples and lots of mannequins as both the proof of concept, the quality examples, uh, but also for inspiration. We, of course, in larger spaces have a, a greater chance to inspire customers with even more mannequins. But uh, overall, there's a sameness to, to what we're doing. The differentiation might be in this specific market and trying to play to the local market and, and its design ethos, lighter in, say, California, a little bit darker, richer in other markets. I know a big part of these showrooms, of course, is service. Yes. And unlike a lot of other stores, um, you know, the, the big part of it is booking an appointment and spending a lot of time with a stylist, with a tailor to fit the suit to you. Could you talk a little bit about how design maybe facilitates that kind That's of service? Right. Uh, so within our showrooms, uh, we, we have a few different approaches. As you said, a lot of our clients come to us with appointments. They're a small percentage come in new to the brand or maybe have heard about it and want to learn more, and we're able to explain to them how it works. In fact, we put it on the wall, how it works with icons and a brief description for in case we don't have a chance to engage with them quick enough. Uh, the, the space, though, is laid out for the style guides to, to work with clients in a variety of ways. So they're all enabled with uh, an iPad and are able to walk through the client experience with the iPad, showing different customizations on the mannequins, different fabric samples. Alternatively, if a client is maybe more familiar with Indochino, they can sit down on the stool at the big work table in the center of the space and uh, look on the iMac and work together to place the order right there on the computer. Uh, alternatively, you know, if uh, it's a larger group, as we have with our grooms parties that really ramp up this time of year at this spring business, uh, they might then go to the lounge area, all sit down and work with the style guide one-on-one, -on -one, and he's bringing samples to them. So there's not one path to selling or one journey. There are several. Yeah, so when we talk about experiential retail, it seems like the experience of an Indochino store is supposed to be kind of casual but curated and... Um 
you know, high touch, high service. Absolutely. High touch is, is a term that we use a great deal, but certainly casual, you know, it's reflective of our demographic. You know, a lot of our guys are, especially here in Miami, are coming in with flip flops and shorts to get that suit that they need for a special event. A majority of our clients are not uh, five day a week suit wearers. You know, we have guys that often come in unaware of the different customizations that are available in a suit that are asking, you know, what's event when we're, when we're going through the process, the peak versus notch, why, why do you need two vents instead of one or any? Um, and we're explaining that to them visually as well as uh, giving them best advice for their, their body type or their personal style. Yeah. And you had mentioned this on a panel, you know, earlier at the conference talking about the store being a place of education too. And I think that kind of goes back to the founding of the company, right? I mean, the founders um, had been university students, um, wanted to educate young people on how to get a professional wardrobe. Yes, as many of the best companies uh, are, it was based on a need of their own. They were looking for made-to-measure suits at a reasonable price and couldn't find them. Uh, They were interested in starting a a digital company or an online company, and, and this all fit together. Uh, the education process, though, of walking someone through online how to measure themselves is, is challenging for sure. The video that they created back then is one we still use today, and it, it's great. It is very user-friendly. A lot of our clients still choose today to have a friend measure them, submit their measurements online, and, and go forward. Uh, the customization flow of this button versus that button also is, is easy to use online, but certainly the support in showroom that you receive from a style guide is brought the business to the next level, that there's just that many more clients out there that, that need that support. And I imagine, I mean, so you started about four years ago. Four years is a long time in the lifetime in a, of a brand like Indochino. Um, and so I imagine you've learned a lot in terms of what your customers actually want out of that physical experience versus what they're happy to just do online. So when you first started, what was the vision and the idea for what a showroom should be, and how has that thought evolved? Let's start at the very top. From a brand perspective, because we were an online-first brand, um, the brief became headlined, Where Tech Meets Taylor. We, We wanted to bring an element of, say, an Apple store to the more traditional tailoring environment and have them seamlessly blend, ensure that we looked like a made-to-measure menswear store, of course, but at the next level. But the, the IMAX play a prominent role in this space because that is our roots. We, we wanted to be able to educate the clients both physically with the samples and, and mannequins that are on display, as I said, but also you know, use the computers to do the same. And where many of our clients do engage well with the screen, <laughs> it, it was a natural. So you know, what's changed about the stores over the last couple of years and how much kind of tweaking goes on as you learn a little bit more about your customers? I have to say that we have not evolved a great deal. There are changes in our approach to the build that have allowed us to scale more quickly. You know, from those first stores that were curated, we had to run out and pick up this coffee table here and find that sofa there, to the vendor that we use now that is also a digitally native vendor that, you know, is a wonderful partner out of Vancouver uh, called article.com. The the approach to building out our stores is much more efficient. The overall journey, though, has remained the same because it worked. You know, that original advice that I received from that Toronto store manager some four years ago was on point. What we have continued to do, though, is improve upon the training to ensure our style guides are giving, you know, ever better service and are doing uh, an increasingly better job of the fit piece, which is critical. 
you know, if you're going to do a major measure suit, you're doing it because you want the suit to fit perfectly out of the box. And our success in that has improved dramatically from four years ago or five years ago before when we were doing Traveling Taylor. What do you think is one of the biggest challenges that you face in, you know, continuing to think about store design and, you know, how it can be even better? In the industry overall, there is the need to evolve to a model that is more showrooming. And I'm very pleased that I'm with a brand that is leading that, that offers clients across the network and every store and every door, regardless of hot weather market, cold weather market, A store, B store, the same assortment, the same experience, that there's no disappointment from having seen something online and then gone into a store in the traditional sense and said, oh, you don't have that because you don't have that because you're sold out. We're, we're able to, to have the same display of merchandise at all. So, I mean, Indochino is one of now what is like an absurd amount of digitally native brands that are starting to, to build out stores. They kind of started with one core product and they've got a similar business model that, you know, wants to have a direct relationship with the customer, is very high touch, very high service, but convenient, wants yes. to be able to meet you where you're at if you're at home and you're you know, on your couch, they want to be able to deliver it to you. But, you know, there are cross categories. We're seeing this like in luggage, in apparel, in sure. eyeglasses, all kinds of things. I mean, do you see similarities between um, Indochino and some of these other brands in different categories? Absolutely. There are, there are some wonderful brands in all of those categories that you mentioned and more. Uh, and there is a something of a similarity in approach and direction to design, you know, Many of us, of course, started with pop-ups in Soho, and maybe that influences the design direction. <laughs> On Green Street, I've Indeed, noticed they're all yes. right there. You know, so Green Street, Broom Street, mm -hmm. et cetera. Yes, we're, we've all set up shop nearby each other. Um, and, and that's great. And there's a sameness, perhaps, in that we share a demographic. So there's a visual language that appeals to that specific demographic, and, and we've more or less honed to it. Um, and that's great. The interesting thing for Indochino, though, is that we don't need to be adjacent to those brands. We love those brands, and yes, we share a demographic, but we also try to avoid being clustered with them by landlords. A lot of the shopping centers now have woken up and said, oh, all these you know, digitally native direct-to-consumer brands, they're fun, they're a point of differentiation for our center. We definitely need to attract them. That, that's a conversation today I have that four years ago was impossible. It was, who are you, and .com, and I don't think that that makes sense for our mall, thanks for calling, but today, we're being courted today. Brands like us are being courted that dedicated spaces being set up at shopping centers for these types of brands, and that's great. Um, we're looking to be placed beside our category in ready to wear. So we want to be closer to the men's suiting brands so we can show as an alternative to the off the rack. Uh, we can show as a better solution, a better price, a better quality. So you talked a little bit about plans going into the new year. In the role that you play with design, what's the biggest thing that you are thinking about this year? Ah, um, so this year is a, a year where we're looking to improve upon processes. Um, we've built out our team a little bit. We struggled through a, a 20 store expansion last year for renos with a, a very tiny team we've we've expanded this year to to hopefully save money um, the investment in headcount will hopefully reduce the uh, amount of unnecessary expenses or, or mistakes uh, the hope is that we can also this year build upon our foundation and improve our, our training and processes across the board this is uh, 
really a challenge for all fast-growing companies. You know, you, you have to bring the people with right, you. Right, as you scale the store, Indeed. scale the people that fill it, too. For sure. And, you know, we've been able to promote a number of people, wonderful group of people that started with us years ago and have grown with their brand as we've gone. Um, but it's important to support them with the, the training and the time that's required in their new roles as well. So this year really is all about the people. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Conversational Commerce. For all the latest news and trends, subscribe to our free daily newsletter at retaildive.com. And if you like this show, give us a rating or leave us a review on iTunes and stay tuned for more episodes. I'm Corinne Ruff, and this was Conversational Commerce.